Hello and welcome to this uh, first really actually season, not preview, uh, actually season going through podcast here on the History of Yugoslav Football podcast. Um, basically it's the European update episode that we kind of promise as to what's gone on in the region uh, through the qualifying stages of European competition so far. We will of course go as per usual south, uh, north to south. Um, which uh, is definitely also going from sort of newsworthy to less newsworthy um, until we get to um, <laughs> until we get to Montenegro at least. Um, so we'll of course start with uh, what's gone on with the Slovenian sides this time around in Europe. We're not really going to touch too much on domestic football um, on the leagues themselves, um, but we will have to mention a couple of bits and bobs as, as you can imagine. Um, but obviously, there's four. Uh, Slovenian sides in Europe. Out were Domzal at the first opportunity, losing to Balsan. Um, they dropped the first leg really, really badly. Uh, I think we mentioned it in the uh, actually uh, preview league season preview episode uh, about how badly that went. They came close to recovering the matters in the away leg um, before going out on aggregate. I think it was. 5-4, uh, if I remember rightly. Um, since then, they've had uh, manager Simon Rochman and um, director of football, well, sorry, sporting director um, Semya Dibicic, leave both leave the club. They've gone to join FK Sarajevo, who we'll catch up with in a minute or two. Um, next up, Maribor, uh, also the other Slovenian side out. Uh, they departed the Europa Conference League last night um, with a pretty, with as comprehensive as it gets, really, uh, defeat to Fenerbahce. No real shame in that, um, because you know, it's Fenerbahce and they are quite good, um, but eventually lost 6-1 on aggregate. The main newsworthiness of the night being um, that there was quite a significant delay due to crowd trouble. Um, the some Maribor fans went to take a banner from the Fenerbahce end, and the Fenerbahce end reacted as you'd expect. I mean, I'm not really sure why. Um, if you're going to pick a fight with any away traveling group in Europe, it would be Fenerbahce's. Um, <laughs> I think they'd be quite high on the list of the last ones I'd want to do <laughs> that too. Um, but yeah, Maribor fans started it, Fenerbahce fans finished it. Eventually that end, that area of the ground had to be cleared before play resumed. Um, they reached the third qualifying round, um, having squeezed, I think I think it's fair, squeezed past Birkakara in the first qualifying round uh, and squeezed past FC Diffidange after extra time in the second. Uh, so it wasn't really a surprise to see Fenerbahce beat them, quite aside from you know the comparative wealth of the two sides. Uh, Maribor's progress was distinctly unimpressive. It's fair to say that the league form hasn't necessarily followed that yet. Um, but I think probably when we get round to actually first proper talking about the domestic leagues, which I'll probably record uh, in the September international break. Um, Maribor's sort of confusing form, I think it's probably best to say, will be part of it. Um, now, we have two sides remaining, 
both in playoffs next week. So Celier, who were in the Europa Conference League playoff, uh, they knocked out Vittoria Chimarez in the second qualifying round, then Neman Grodno of Belarus in the third. Uh, very impressive European campaign so far. Um, in the Europa League playoff, we have Olympia. They will be taking on uh, Azerbaijan's Karabakh um, after falling out of the um, Champions League this week. Um, now, in that, they have been, were knocked out by Galatasaray. Not much of a surprise. But to reach that, uh, they had managed to knock out Ludogorets Rastgrad, which is a very impressive result, really, um, and Latvia's Damiera. Uh, what that means is that Olympia are a guaranteed group stage of something. Uh, if they lose to Karabag, then it'll be the Conference League. If they win, it'll be the Europa League. Obviously, for Cellier, it's win or out for them. Um, Cellier have been really impressive. Um, we'll talk about Cellier's tie first um, against Maccabi Tel Aviv, uh, which is quite interesting from a couple of perspectives. Um, you know, I think of the potential draws that they could have got, this was the best draw. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm sitting here saying that Celia are favourites for it. Absolutely not. Um, but it's certainly the most favourable tie they could have got uh, of those that were available to them. Um, there are sort of personal storylines going into it as well. Albert Riera, manager of Celia, obviously, um, is the former Liverpool player and manager of... Maccabee Tel Aviv is Robbie Keane, uh, who's also a former Liverpool player. In March, they were actually playing both uh, on the same side in a Liverpool Legends game. Um, and now they'll be opposing each other for the Conference League. Uh, so real interesting sort of storyline that's going on there. Um, I kind of fancy Cellier, I have to say, for it. Um, I'm not really going to go too much into predictions. Um, I think you know, if you look at their European form, it's been... You know, Obviously, very impressive. Um, you know, like I said, beating Victoria Shimaris, it's really, you know, they're a side who normally come in each year, get a side from the region, and then knock them out fairly comfortably. And so you had to come from behind to do that, to win it on penalties. You can't really fail to be impressed by that. They are starting to get some league form together as well. Um, although it's quite early to say that. Um, I think you're already starting to see sort of the fluidity um, in the front three. Uh, Albert Riera has really brought Luka Bobacanic back into form uh, very quickly, it has to be said. Um, and he's been a very important part of the progress so far. Charlie Cremesi moved today to Serie A, to Salernitana. Um, there's a couple of links for new strikers coming in, um, but certainly against Grodno last night, uh, they played Julian Lamy uh, up front. And I think what you're seeing from that Bobashan Etch, Lamy, and Matko front line is firstly, you know, it's really mobile, it's really pacey, and you also can't afford to not press it. Um, you know, really, you have to press Boba Janic because of how good a distance shooter he is, particularly when he's starting to come into form, which he clearly is. Matko is just pace to burn uh, and will just run at you all day. So, you know, if you're pre pressing up to try and neuter Boba Janic, then you're automatically leaving the space in behind for Matko to run into. It's quite nice and effective. It's quite a change from uh, Olympia as well. You know, I think against for Olympia last season, 
a lot of their work was very horizontal. For Cellier, this time round, it's going to be very vertical, the, the progression of the side up the pitch. Um, it'll be very interesting to see them develop and as to what they're able to do. If they do get into the Conference League group, you know, first it's a massive achievement, but also you've got to remember it's kind of a big financial achievement as well. Um, and it'll be interesting to see whether... Riera is backed late to replace Iquimese. You know, the Charlie Iquimese fee is about 1.8 million euros. Uh, so, you know, absolutely nothing to be sniffed at. Add on to that, you know, I think it's 3 million-ish for getting into the Conference League group stage. It, it, it's good money. Uh, and it's money that can be used to, to really back a side if they want to. As for Olympia, uh, so they face Karabag in the... Uh, Europa League playoff uh, altogether different prospect I think really um, again it's quite favourable uh, I think Olympia do stand a chance um, you know I don't imagine Karabakh will um, blow them away I think you know Karabakh got to this point by beating HJK Helsinki but it was a tight game uh, and sort of we sort of know <laughs> Olympia's form lines with HJK are variable um, over the past few seasons in European competition um, but I think you, you've got to give Olympia a very good, a very decent chance. You know, they weren't disgraced by Galatasaray. Um, you know, okay, it was four nil, um, but four nil on aggregate. Sorry, um, but you know, in the first game they had a goal disallowed that shouldn't have been disallowed, in my view. Um, you know, it, it was given as a foul for Galatasaray, and it it wasn't. It was just good pressure. Um, and they had chances in the second leg. They weren't uh, neutered by any way, in any way, shape, or form. We're still sort of seeing them come into the Henry Kajira now. Um, but again, the Europe Conference League money will be big for them. It probably will be the Conference League, and that's not a disres any, no disrespect to Olympia. Uh, you know, Karabag aren't a bad side by by any means, and this is still an Olympia side that is a bit of a work in progress. They've also got a couple of players I like, <laughs> um, which is always a bonus. Bread on Chisha up front um, is a big one. Also, you know, I think a couple of other players people will know: Marco Jankovic, Montenegrin uh, midfielder, and Mirko, Marco Vesevic uh, at the back as well uh, of Montenegro, uh, as well as Yassine Benzia, formerly of Lyon. So, we'll see how they go. Um, I think they've certainly got a chance, which gives them two sides a very good chance of appearing in a European group stage, both of whom will be doing so for the first time. Let's be honest, two sides with a good chance of being in a European group stage is more than Croatia has now. Wow. <laughs> which is a wild statement to think Slovenia's going to have a better European season than Croatia, but they just might. They really just might. Um, they've got two sides left in Europe. We'll talk about Dinamo first because we have to. Um, Dinamo, currently in the third qualifying round of the Champions League. Their tie is still to be decided. Um, if you've not paid attention to the news, um, originally the first leg was meant to take place last week with the second leg uh, in Zagreb this week. Um, the first leg had to be cancelled due to um, so the night before the game. Um, no away fans were allowed to attend the game, um, but a group of uh, Dinamo hooligans 
for want of a better term, did make the trip down. Um, they met up with a group of Panathinaikos hooligans uh, in Athens, uh, who then, and then the wider group proceeded to attack um, what was a group of AEK fans outside the AEK Athens Stadium, but sort of because of the setting of AEK Stadium, it spilled out into local restaurants and things like that. Um, you know, that's just sort of the nature of where that stadium is, uh, that, you know, if you start something outside the stadium, it's naturally going to bring in people who are in no way, shape or form involved in the fighting in the first place. Um, the, let's see, most tragic result was the death of a 29-year-old AK Athens fan. Um, the game itself was postponed. A considerable amount of Croatian fans were arrested, uh, and you know, I think a lot of that legal procedure is still going on. Um, a lot of words were exchanged um, by the Greek media and uh, other media that left a very sour taste in the mouth. Um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that whatever you think of the, the hooligans of Dinamo, you know, they're certainly not representative of the great majority of fans of that club, or of the great majority of fans in Croatia. And a lot of the rhetoric that was used was, I mean, it was pretty xenophobic, really. Um, now, emotions ran extremely high, and that's absolutely understandable uh, and absolutely fine. I think, you know, certainly a, a line was crossed there. Um, and you know, one, of the, one of the key things to take out of it um, is, you know, the involvement of the Panathinaikos fans. And that it's probably not that instructive to look at it and think, oh, you know, those Dinamo fans, look what they did. Um, you know, you've sort of they've sort of waded into blindly um, a very Greek problem in terms of football violence, and the ultimate tragedy has occurred as as a result of that. Um, yeah, legal proceedings are still ongoing, so you know it would be churlish of me to comment really much further on that in terms of apportioning blame. Um, you know, what I would. I would definitely say it's not as black and white as Dinamo bad, AEK good. It, absolutely not. Um, you know, certainly it's a small subset, uh, and a, a, there were appearing to be some quite considerable oversights by local policing, um, which could have prevented a, a lot of hurt for a lot of people. Um, after that, you know, it's kind of. Um, almost flippant to mention that there was a football match that all followed that, which there was in Zagreb this week. Dinamo, dominant in the first half, then just fell apart in the second and take a 2-1 loss to Athens. Uh, likelihood now, yeah, I think probably is that um, we will see Dinamo now in the Europa League playoffs rather than the Champions League playoffs, um, which will be a big disappointment for them. Um, and you yeah, really, they've only got themselves to blame. They could have um, really put the tie to bed in the first half in Zagreb and didn't come anywhere close to it. Um, and, you know, when their standards slipped, they paid for it. Um, should they, you know, 
talk the hypotheticals. If they end up in the Europa League playoff round, they take on Sparta Prague, which is a horrible draw. Um, yeah, I don't think Sparta are as good as maybe they have been the past couple of seasons, but it's still not a draw you really want. Um, it's you know, certainly I think probably if I say it's a draw that is of a very similar standard to uh, what they would have faced uh, against AEK. Um, in terms of the Champions League, uh, if it was the case that they are able to turn it back around in the unlikely instance that they're able to turn it back around, I should add, um, then they will end up taking on the Belgian champions uh, Antwerp, which is a better draw than Sparta Prague. Um, <laughs> Let's just leave it at that, really. Um, the other side still in are Rijeka. Now, Rijeka have had a very fun season so far, I think. Um, they've been a very, very enjoyable side to watch. Really, they are absolutely handing out some batterings. Um, they got past, they've had a very easy route as well. Um, they entered in the second qualifying round where they defeated Dukajini of Kosovo. Um, dealt with them very handily, as you'd imagine. Um, and then uh, have defeated uh, B36 Torshan of the Pharaohs uh, similarly easily. Uh, 5-1 on aggregate there in the third qualifying round. That gets them a tie against Lille, which now we're going to see really what Rijeka are made of, I think. Um, you know, We've seen them, if you watch them in the league, they absolutely demolished Rudez on the opening day. They've demolished Easter 6-0. That was a really impressive victory. Um, and an absolute hammering. Um, lost to Hyduck in between those. Rijeka look a very good side. Um, and while Lille should handle them, this is the sort of reactor you could imagine turning Lille over. Um, you know, I think part of your question will always be, it's the Conference League, Lille from a top five league, precisely how seriously are they gonna take this competition? Um, particularly, um, you know, when it's sort of coming in around very winnable games in Ligue 1 for them uh, against uh, Lorient, Nantes and uh, Montpellier. Is it being a very interesting one to see how precisely how Lille play that, um, or how Lille balance that out? They certainly do have the firepower up front. There's no doubt about that. You know, Jonathan David, Remy Cabela um, is a heck of a you know central line, um, but Rijeka are the the firing and they they are scoring, uh, which is one a big thing. Um, you know, I expect Lille to qualify that, but maybe 70-30, I think, uh, that Lille will qualify there. In terms of the sides that were out, uh, both Hajduk and Osijek were defeated at the third qualifying round stage. Hajduk entered at the third qualifying round. They lost eventually, I think it's 3-0 on aggregate to Pauk Salonika, um, basically because Andrew Zivkovic just turned it on. Uh, and when Zivkovic turns it on, then you're in trouble. Uh, it just doesn't necessarily turn it on often enough. Um, it really took them apart in the second half of that last night. Uh, as for Osijek, uh, they <laughs> just... Oh, how do you talk about Osijek this season so far? Wow. Um, so, Osijek um, beat Zajkasek in the second qualifying round. 
3-1 on aggregate to a very particularly impressive in the first leg where they only won 1-0 but I mean really that could have, that was one going on 4 or 5 um, then they drew Adana Demirspor of Turkey lost 5-1 in the away leg and just didn't look like they could defend at all and then beat them 3-2 last night it was, wasn't was enough um, go out 7-4 on aggregate um, which is just a very normal thing for Osiek to do this season um, if you've not been paying attention to Osiek's games please I implore you, do. They have been crazy this season. Um, you know, we're talking, what, seven competitive games in, and only two of those, only two of those, have featured less than five goals. Um, that includes 4 3 against Rudez, 4 um, all against Istra, 6 1 against Slavin. They are unpredictable. They are scoring. An absolutely incredible amount of goals. That's 14 in three league games this season. And that's on top of whatever they scored in the uh, Conference League as well. Um, they're a heck of a lot of fun. Um, but they won't be a heck of a lot of fun in Europe any longer. Moving down the way to Bosnia. And we can only really talk about Strinsky and their... Becoming the first team from Bosnia-Herzegovina to manage to reach a European group stage. That was confirmed um, last night with their Europa League um, qualifying round win. Uh, sorry. Yes. Europa League round qualifying. They fell in... They fell, I should start again with this. They fell into the Europa League after dipping out of the conference, sorry, dipping out of the Champions League um, to uh, Slavon Bratislava, they ended up against Breda Blick of Iceland and were able to, they demolished them in the first leg and in doing so confirmed themselves into the group stage of at least the conference league. Uh, they have a playoff against Lask Linz, um, which I, I think with Blasky probably would expect them to turn over Zrinski uh, fairly easily. But, you know, I think if you listen to the Bosnian preview, you know, we talked very much about how this was going to be a season that was very much built around can Zrinski finally take that step in Europe? They have taken that step in Europe, and fair play to them. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people who don't like Zrinski. Fine. Um, fine if you don't. Um, but. You know they've turned it over, they've, they've turned it around, and they've had you know three, four years worth of planning to get to this point, uh, where they've been able to reach what is a really big landmark for Bosnian football. Okay, people you know will sniff that it's not really Bosnian football; it's Croatian football because of the side. But you know what? It's a good team, and you're not giving the cro uh, they're, they're, they're coefficient to Croatia, not the coefficient. We've just done that one. Um, so yeah, it's a really big moment for them, and you know congratulations to everyone at the club for confirming that. In terms of the other sides, um, so we mentioned Sarajevo have changed manager already this season. That was because they departed at the first qualifying round, uh, losing on penalty penalties to Torpedo Katisi of Georgia. As for Borac, um, they were done very handily by uh, Austria Vienna, and for 
Zersnikar managed to get past Dino Minsk in the first round, but were knocked out then by Nefchi Baku of Azerbaijan in the second qualifying round. Uh, so it will just be Zerinsky with um, any interest uh, next week against LASK, but also for the rest of the autumn in Europe. Moving to Serbia very quickly, um, and we'll talk, there's only one side out so far, that is Vojvodina. They uh, took an Apolimisol in the second qualifying round and, and didn't do anything of note. Uh, I think it's very fair to say. Um, very disappointing. Um, but they've been quite disappointing. They've had a before the I think as we mentioned in the season preview, they had an absolutely horrific schedule to start the season, uh, and have had a managerial change as a result of not handling that in the best way. Um, for the sides who are still in, yes, um, it's the other four. Um, now, Siesta have automatic entry to the Champions League group stage, and they're looking really good uh, domestically. Kukurichi have... Um, automatic entry to the uh, Europa League playoff stage. So, um, in that, um, we, in that, they are facing off with the, uh, with Olympiakos. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Not loads of chances there, I think, if we're fair to them. Um, for TSC, uh, they are guaranteed into the Europa League group stage. So because they were knocked out in the third qualifying round through the league path rather than the champions path, for the champions path you'd end up in the Europa League playoff, for the league path you end up into the Europa League group stage because that's just how UEFA works. Um, they were battered by Braga, uh, I think it's fair to say. Um, you know, really... <laughs> Again, it wasn't a nice draw. Uh, I did expect a bit more from them than they showed, uh, losing 7-1 on aggregate, all in all. Um, you know, I think what we, what I really wanted to see from TSC was, you know, actually, you've shown against the likes of Svenis Viesta that you're at your best when you're brave and, you know, and attack uh, and sort of try and develop that side of your play. They didn't really do that too much, or they weren't allowed to as much against Braga. Um, and we didn't really see the 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 TSC that uh, that we're used to, I think, in, in either of those games, you know, whether it's a bit of stage fright or exactly what happened, I'm not sure. But yeah. <laughs> the the net result was the same. Um so when it comes to the final side, uh it's partisan. Um now partisan are still it's worth noting, in an absolute mess. Um literally, this is we, I think we mentioned in the season preview, at least I hope we did, I meant to, that over the summer the electrics w was turned off at the stadium um, because the football club hadn't paid the sporting association the money to pay the electric bill. So the sporting association was just sick of it and said, here, we've paid everything, the football club still owe money, turn them off. And they did. And <laughs> the electric was off there for about a month. Um, it was turned on literally last Thursday, about 10th of August, something like that, um, in just before Partizan's first home game of the season. Um, a ridiculous state of affairs. Um, and one Partizan really could have gone into as a very negative 
I think, you know, there are fan boycotts. Grabari are boycotting them. Um, you know, we saw in the first U- U- home European game of the season last night against Sabah, uh, which eventually they won on penalties, um, we should mention, um, that there was uh, an empty end, basically. Uh, and, you know, we've seen coach Igor Dulyai, um come out. It was a sort of ridiculous statement, I think. Uh, I-, I wasn't a fan of this at all. Um, saying that the Grabari should sort of hand their tickets back hand the season tickets back you know you, you've, you've paid the money um so give it to other people so they can come and attend the games for free but one not going to do that and two they're kind of a bit dense for paying the money in the first place if they didn't attend, intend to attend but you know um that boycott is still ongoing um and i don't think there's any real sign that it's letting up uh, anytime soon uh because there's no real sign of any thaw between uh board and fan groups in terms of their relations. In the playoff round, they are facing the Danes Nordjylland, um, who, I think they reached, I think, if I remember right, I think they reached the Champions League group stage not that long ago. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping it's not that long ago, otherwise I'm really giving away my age as being that long long ago. But I seem to remember Nordjylland like, facing Chelsea and stuff like that in the Champions League. Um, Correct me, please do correct me if I'm wrong. Um, either way, you know, with Nigel, you know, they've got a very young side, a uh, very young, very active side. Um, to reach this, uh, they knocked out FCSB, uh, the artist formerly known as Troy Bucharest, um, who aren't necessarily a worse side than Partizan. Um, I think it's fair to fancy that Nigel will get through. Uh, into the group stage of the Conference League. Partizan, though, kind of need it. They need the money. It, you know, it's really... If you were coming out of this month and you're at a point where Partizan have been denied access through to, um, you know, three million prize money as, as your base, but, you know, you're talking also the merchandising... TV money, uh, potential competitive balancing money, uh, and also just ticket sales as well from from a group European campaign. You know, you probably talk about them losing out to the tune of well, you know, so a heck of a lot more than three million. And this is a club that really needs three million. Never mind a heck of a lot more than three million. It <laughs> it is it's a club where if they don't get that, I can see them being in a lot of financial trouble towards the end of this season. Um, they are already. I think we all know that, don't we? Um, but, yeah. I'm not overly optimistic of their chances in that particular tie. Uh, I'm not overly... I'm not overly optimistic about Partizan uh, a lot. Um, I think it's fair to say. As, as long-term listeners will know, uh, I am not a uh, big supporter of what Partizan have done uh, over the past few seasons. Uh, we'll talk next about Montenegro, um, which we have to start with Suchesca, don't we? I think we do. Um, we'll start with Suchesca, because that's sort of where the news has come from. Um, why has news come from Suchesca? Well, Suchesca were, firstly, it's absolutely dire what they did in Europe. They were knocked out by an Andorran side. Um, they were nearly knocked out by a San Marinese side in the first qualifying round squeaking through that 2-1 Santa Coloma uh, did then 
knocked them out, and that was having taken a 2-0 lead uh, into the second leg. Um, and you still got knocked out. It is just not good. Um, now, I will obviously mitigate that. We, we discussed it in the Montenegro season preview. Suchesca this season are a far lesser side than they were uh, in May. You know, absolutely have lost a lot, a lot of quality. They still shouldn't be losing to an Andorran side. After the game, um, coach Nina, head coach Nina Bjanovic was reportedly, according to him, um, and I would say there's a couple of other sources which have agreed with him, was um, invited into a room with some club dignitaries uh, and invited to resign um, verbally. Then, when he chose not to, he was invited to resign physically and then when he uh, continued to choose not to um Bimifich's allegation is that he was then made to at gunpoint um after more than one person in the room pulled out a pistol on him um like i say i i have obviously seen it in the news um so jessica themselves do deny it i have had a couple of people independently come to me and say yeah actually i know him um and He's confirmed that to me personally as well. Um, he's with Montenegrin law enforcement. Uh, I don't want to really get too much into gossip, um, <laughs> particularly particularly not one with people with guns in. Um, but you know, I think there certainly has been a real rupture in relations. I think it's fair to say there, and um, there was a mutual termination before there was a non-mutual termination. I think it's probably fair to say in that particular scenario. Um, as for the other sides, um, see, Montenegro only have three sides in Europe because of their really poor uh, coefficient. Uh, Budapest, where as champions went into the preliminary stage of the Champions League, uh, obviously, obviously covered them being knocked out of that by Breidablik, uh, they were popped into the second qualifying round of the Europa Conference League, where they faced Struga. Struga beat them. As for Arsenal Tula, uh, they took on Alashkert. Um, got a really creditable one-all draw in the first leg in Armenia. Well done them. Then in the home leg, lost 6-1 to go out 7-2 on aggregate in the first qualifying round. Um, not quite sure how he really managed that, uh, but they did. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, ridiculous. Um, but I mean, it doesn't do anything for the Montenegrin coefficient. You know, they are pretty much stuck very, very much near the bottom. Uh, moving along to Kosovo now, uh, we'll fairly rapidly go through this one. Bakani uh, entered the first qualifying round of the Champions League, nearly got beyond Ludogratz, beating them 2 0 in the first leg at home, then lost the second 1 4 0. Oops. They then were put into the sort of repechage of the Europa Conference League uh, and were put up against Lan of Northern Ireland, uh, beat them 7-1 on aggregate, then against Lincoln Redims. Not that long ago, Lincoln were in the Europa Conference League group stages. Um, that was only two, two seasons ago, I think. Um, beat them 5-1 on aggregate, which, okay, you should be beating aside from Gibraltar, but Lincoln have a bit more heritage than... than the most sides you would immediately qualify with from the side from Gibraltar. Um, so it's not certainly not a bad result by any means. They go into the Europa Conference League playoff against Barta Borisov, the Belarusian champions. They are very much not the side whom you know were regulars in the 
Champions League not that long ago. Uh, for a start, it's an almost entirely um, domestic side. Uh, you know, funnily enough, um, you know when you uh, <laughs> when your side is basically sorry when your country is basically persona non grata in UEFA, um, a lot of players leave. Um, and I think the other thing that's also really quite important to to bear in mind is that Barta, you know, they got the Champions League place as the champions with with extremely large um, quotation marks around them. Barta were actually third in the in there because uh, the top two sides, that is Shakhtar Sologorsk and Energetic BGU Minsk were both kicked out of Europe for match fixing. Um, so yes, don't expect too much from Barter. Um, I think Barca only have a pretty good chance there. Um, as for the others, so we mentioned Dukajini already. Um, they were knocked out in the second qualifying round by Rijeka in convincing fashion, having beaten Europa of Gibraltar to get to that stage. Gilani, um were beaten 4-2 in aggregate by Progress Nidicon in the first qualifying round. As for Drita, uh, they entered in the second qualifying round and managed the unfortunate draw of Victoria Pilsen, um, which isn't a nice draw. Um, <laughs> again, sort of a side with plenty of European heritage there, the, the, the Czech side. And they ended up uh, knocking out 2-1 in aggregate. A pretty creditable performance, absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, just not the, not the draw they wanted, uh, no doubt about that. Finally, North Macedonia. We're at, we're in the final stretch now. Um, Struga, we obviously mentioned them already. Struga um, were knocked out of the, of the Champions League by Zagiris uh, Vilnius in the first qualifying round. Sends them into the Conference League. I've done quite well since then, um, beating obviously Budushnost uh, in the second round, as we've already mentioned, and then. And then, adding to their little list of scalps, uh, Swift Hesperange uh, of Luxembourg in managing just to sort of squeeze past them 4-3 on aggregate last night. They have got Bredeblick in the playoff round. And they've definitely got a chance there. Um, you know, but one thing you would sort of say, you have a direct um, form line through Budushnost, but you don't really have a direct form line through Budushnost, because for Budushnost, uh, when they faced Bredeblik and got beaten quite heavily by Bredeblik in the Champions League preliminary round, the preliminary tournament was actually hosted in uh, Iceland. So you were talking really about that being an away game rather than a neutral one. Um, I'm not too sure how much credence you put in Bredelik's side of the Budushnost form, as you would to Struga's side of the Budushnost form. Um, it has them probably fairly even, I think it's fair to say. Um, in terms of disgracing the nation, um, <laughs> Shkendia, um, drawn against Haverford West County in the first qualifying round and knocked out on penalties. Um, Haverford West massively punched above their weight to do that, massively punched above their weight to um, get close to B36 in the second qualifying round as well. Um, if you haven't looked, there was actually a couple of articles on The Athletic following Haverford West's um, travels and travails uh, in the Europa Conference League qualifying campaign, which should make a very interesting read um, because they're about a Welsh club that isn't blooming Wrexham. Um, 
Macedonia, Joshi Petrov uh, faced RFS uh, in Latvia in the first qualifying round. RFS, a good side, um, and you know one who have a decent amount of European heritage at this point. Um, you know, I think they were in the group stage last season. <laughs> there was a Latvian side that Hearts played. I think it was them. Um, any, anyway, RFS dispensed with Macedonia GP. Uh, 5-1 on aggregate there. Um, and then we come to Scoopy, who defeated Hegelman of Lithuania very well in the first qualifying round before being done 3-0 Balevsky uh, Sofia in the second. That was another game, really, um, another tie, which was marked with unfortunate uh, crowd trouble uh, again. Uh, a bit of a theme, really, unfortunately, throughout the region. Um, and... It's regrettable that that's been a theme, that been a thing that we actually have to talk about in the first place, because uh, we certainly don't want to. Uh, we want to talk about the good things that the sides in the region are doing. There's been plenty of those. Um, there's been plenty of fun things. Uh, please do just watch Ossiet games, um, and you know, plenty of really creditable performances. You know, I, I, I think you know, Celia against Vitoria. You know, that is a real, it's giant killing. It is. Uh, and there's a massive amount of credit has to go to Albert Riera and the boys there uh, for being able to manage that. It's massive to see Olympia in a European group stage as well. We'll see at least a few, we'll see a few more sides. You know, we're going to, we know we've got three Serbian sides, at least maybe four if Partizan can seal the deal. We're definitely going to have Dinamo. We're definitely going to have Srinsky. We're hopefully going to have Rijeka. I've got my fingers crossed for that. Um, we may well uh, see Struga as well um, and Balkani and also Cellier and definitely Olympia there's going to be lots of European games to talk about this autumn on this podcast uh, which means that's more stuff for me to watch um, <laughs> I was getting the matchsticks for my eyes already um, not that I'm not excited it's just I, I, I watch an inordinate amount of football already um, <laughs> and the, and this time of year when you're catching up not just on um, domestic football but then also on about 15 European ties a week um, it can be quite trying <laughs> um, but yes for, fortunately there have been several teams who've made that a very fun endeavour this time around Thank you very much for taking the time to listen. As I say, we will be doing a um, domestic one uh, in the September international break. We'll also cover um, European group draws because we have to. Um, then as well, there won't be anything in between because I'm on holiday. Um, and <laughs> I'm on holiday for basically the both legs of the playoffs. Um, so there will be very little in the way of analysis on even social media from me uh, then. Uh, if you don't follow me on social media, it's at HYFPRW on X, that used to be known as Twitter, but uh, yeah, um, <laughs> Elon. Um, and if you've enjoyed this, do tell 10 to tell 10. Uh, you can also uh, leave a review on your chosen podcast service. It all, every little helps. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for taking, taking the time to listen. And I'm going to catch you next time. <laughs>